Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Time and Relative Opinions in Space, a title I now regret giving this pod as I can never remember it. But hey ho, <laughs> let's let's get stuck in and introduce my sidekick. The ace to my seventh doctor, it is Sean Campbell, everybody. Hello, Sean. Hello, how you doing? So a bit more, you know, a bit more vigour. Sing like you mean it, Sean. Sing like you mean it. Hello, how are you doing? That's it, it's But today... to be here. <laughs> yes, yes, you really, you really sound like you, you are. <clears throat> but we're here today to go through season two episode... Um, Rise of Cybermen, Age of Steel. Have I got that the right the right way round? Yes, that's good. But I couldn't remember which way round they went. Um, the two-parter, reintroducing the Cybermen to this uh, new era of Doctor Who. Uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good episodes. Um, I find my attention span waning in part two. I found part one far more interesting, but uh, we'll see if uh, Sean agrees with that statement or not. What do you say? Uh, I'd probably agree with it, yeah. I maybe found myself on my phone a couple of times during... Yeah. It feels sometimes... It's not just bad, but... Two parters. It's probably too much for one episode, but they do feel like they have to pad the second episode out a little bit, maybe like 10 or 15 minutes worth. Yeah, the bit where they're on the run in London and that's... Yeah, yeah. You could have, you could have cut that and not really lost much of value, but, but then you know, the on the whole, it's still a good episode. Up, yeah, but then the episode will come up too short, so you've got to, you got to do something, I suppose. Yeah. The main premise of the episode, I suppose, other than the Cybermen angle, is um, they sort of fall through a rift in time and space and end up in a parallel universe. What what, what did you make of that little trope there to sort of get the story going? Uh, Works. I think it works fair enough. It's one of those, like, sort of Doctor Who things where they can just throw that out there and you accept it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we've fun through a crack in time, and just like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, I'd buy it. And I think it's um sort of alluded to that the like in the season finale, like this is a bit of a spoiler, but like the Dalek ship breaks like the barriers to those worlds down, and I think it's sort of alluded that the TARDIS fell through that crack, the one made by the Dalek ship, or maybe I'm just making it up, but. That's the way I've always looked at it. Yeah, I think you're making that up, but yeah, it, it, it could be, it could be. But and I'm going it, with it. <laughs> but it kind, it kind of lets them break their own rules, doesn't it? And it, it brings back familiar characters that perhaps died in um, their reality, like um, Pete Tyler, Rose's dad, and also slightly change other characters a little bit as well, like. Uh, Mickey's got a doppelganger that's a bit more badass. Yeah, Ricky. Yeah, Ricky, Ricky gets to see this. So, because it's also as well as being a Cyberman story, it's also Mickey's story. Yeah. Sort of with it being his, um, I mean, it's not his last episode, but it's played as his last episode. Yeah, it, I was going to say it. Like, it concludes his character arc, even though we do see him again. Yeah. 
and it, it does and it makes sense uh, his his gran who passed away um in his reality is that she's still alive in this reality yeah it's like that's a good way of putting it yeah it's not his last episode but it's his character arc's last episode yeah definitely i've really also, enjoyed mickey uh, it's not that, not that i never did like disliked him but from rewatching it uh, for the purposes of this podcast <coughs> excuse me yeah i've really enjoyed his character uh, yeah like he was some sort of a a lovable coward to like each episode he gets like a little bit more and each episode that he's in anyway he gets a little bit more and more brave yeah he he sort of really grows and steps up in this episode as well it's almost like he's he's kind of forced to almost which we'll go into in a bit and uh, yeah he, he steps up to the plate big time doesn't he yep and just to show it out as well um I know we met, we mentioned the 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 big finish audiobooks almost every episode, but this these two episodes are inspired by the story spare parts, which was uh, an origin for the Cyberman story. Yeah, I think I, I Cyber- think I've listened to that. Is that a is that a Peter Davidson one? Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I've listened to that one. It's really good mm-hmm. as well. Actually, it's quite enjoyable. And cool. the author, Mark Platt, gets uh, mentioned in the credits of these two episodes. So, cool. But also, like you said, there, there are sort of parallels you can make between this and um, Genesis of the Daleks as well. Which I've never yeah. really thought about until you, until you mentioned it, I have to be honest. Well, the, I'm sure I read this somewhere, but the guy who wrote these two episodes, who's, I, I'm really sorry, I remember his name now. But I'm sure I once read somewhere in interviews that he claims he didn't steal from Genesis of the Daleks on the basis that he wasn't a Doctor Who fan growing up, so didn't, so he hadn't seen Genesis of the Daleks, so couldn't have stolen from it. But, yeah, well, I mean, it's not like for like. I mean, there's just sort of like parallels, like the 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 you know the inventor sort of wheelchair bound, and he's sort of his his idea is to create and to prolong his own his own life, which is different because. Uh, Dav Ross was definitely uh, developing the Daleks for for war and destruction. Yeah, I think if we're being honest, Gen- I mean, this is sound like it's it's sound like I'm being harsh on this episode. If I said Genesis of the Daleks is a better story, that's not an insult. Like Genesis of the Daleks is one of the best stories Doctor Who's oh, ever yeah. done. So it's it's not classic. an insult to say that you weren't as good as that episode. But uh, classic. Well, probably a one we should cover at some point from the classic. Yeah, series. maybe we will. I mean, I've got I've got it on DVD somewhere. I, I went. I went through a, a bit of a phase of collecting some of the the classic Doctor Who, some that I remembered from a childhood, and some I felt like I needed to see, which I hadn't done. Yeah, that's a if you can, if you can get hold of it, uh, Genesis of the Dalek is absolutely worth watching. Yeah. To anyone who hasn't 100%. seen it, percent. I mean, I imagine if you've made it this far into the rabbit hole of. Doctor Who coverage you've you've probably seen it, but yeah. also worth mentioning Roger Lloyd Pack. Uh, yes, the, 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 the villain late great Roger Lloyd Pack. Everyone knows his trigger, but uh, he was he's a great actor. Uh, like just been in a lot of British TV shows. Basically, I think was he in was it Last of the Summer Wine? Was that him as well? Was he in that? Uh, oh, well, he oh. might have, he may have appeared in an episode, but he. He wasn't in it as far as I'm aware. Because I'm sure there's two shows he was known for, wasn't it? Like one was Only Fools and Horses as Trigger and another was another one. But I can't... Vicar Dipple he was in. Oh, that's the one. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. 
Which is just like Last of the Suburbs when you think about it. Yeah, sometimes like these, like some of these like old British comedies, all like blur into yeah. one. They could be in the same universe, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Like the Hellboy could be in London while like the Vicar Dibley's up in a village and stuff like that. Also, another notable guest star is uh, Don Warrington, who was best known for his part in uh, Rising Dam. Oh, right. Really? Who was, was that the... the the president? Oh, this is another change. I never knew that. They they have a president in this universe, which would obviously mean uh, no royal family. I did wonder when I was watching this episode, at what point in British history would there have been a a revolution? No, there was there was a, a short lived one with Oliver Cromwell, but I don't think he ever referred to himself as the president. I can't remember what he. I f- can't forget what uh, title he gave himself. Now, well, if you're a history buff, tweet us. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> Like commander of the British Empire or some or some something like that might have been some grandiose title, mm. I'm sure. But he was that crap and boring. Everybody begged to have the royals back. <laughs> well, maybe he was a bit more charismatic in this universe, and that's why <laughs> we have a presidency now. Who knows? But it's, yeah, there's a lot to talk about in this episode. More than I thought there would be actually to be there because we haven't even got to the Cybermen yet. <laughs> no, no, it's also. Uh, not just that um, in this universe, Rose's dad, Pete Tanner, is alive, but he's also made a success out of himself, hasn't he? He's uh, quite the successful and well-off businessman with his yeah, catchphrase, you, you can trust me on this, which is the most yeah, quite untrusting like catchphrase I've ever heard, to be honest. Yeah, I always like how everyone quotes it at him as well, and he, he likes it to other people. Like, there's a good line where he says, like, it's Jackie's 39th, and then everyone laughs just because you can trust me on this. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually wrote on this because it's actually her 40th, because my 40th is coming up, and I'm thinking I just cannot get away from this age. It's it's, follow, <laughs> it's following me. You feel like it's following you around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, here's an interesting number to give you. Bristol T. Davis has said that picking Jackie, Jackie's... Uh, birthday's been a 40th was intentional because when Rise of the Cybermen aired it was 40 years since um, the 10th planet which was the ah right which the was the first Cybermen story yeah. not 40 years to the day but just to the year like it yeah, was uh, yeah. 1966 so. um, 2006 so just a bit of trivia there there's also a part was... where um, this might be a stretch but um, when if people have seen it, you'll know which bit. I mean, when Rose is walking one way and Mickey's walking the other, and the Doctor's trying to convince them to stay together, and then uh, you know the the Doctor runs after Rose as Mickey says he would. Uh, there's a bit where Mickey says, "I'm just a spare part." And people think that might be an allusion to the. Yeah, it could uh, be. Mm-hmm. It could be. Uh, they throw little like things in there, don't they? So, who knows. But yeah, uh, another thing worth mentioning in in this reality is um, Pete and um, Jackie do have a rose in their lives, but it's not a child; yeah. it's their their pet dog. <laughs> so Rose yeah, is a dog. dog in this in this reality. <laughs> the doctor's reaction to it is brilliant. Mm. <laughs> he just bursts so laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He is great at things like that, though. Uh, this doctor and David Tennant himself. Yeah, he's 
comedic timing is brilliant. You'll mm. see more of that in season four with him and Donna. But, uh, but yeah, he's great. David Town's great. But uh, and also everybody has um, got these little like earplug gadgets that, uh, that are sold by uh, yes the earplugs. Cy- is it Cybernetic Industries? Is that what he calls his company? That's it. This is Mr. Lumix. Uh, Mr. Lumix company. I I wondered if it was because they when they go off like everyone just stops. I couldn't help but notice being the nitpick and get it out. I was like, are you allowed to drive with earpods in? Because if they go off and you just stop, does that just cause like a massive pileup on the roads? Who knows? Maybe everyone just comes to us. We're all like sort of came to an absolute standstill at the same time. So if everybody, if everybody stopped, you'd probably be all right. It's when one car stops and someone else keeps going, you end up with your, your crashes. Like, what if you were just in the middle of like crossing the road, and then you just you just stop and you just get flattened by some car? I don't know. Oh, it's 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 not real, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah, I think maybe I'm looking too far into it. As you do, the yeah, uh, it's my job. <laughs> it's not the, the most noble job in the world, but it's mine. Yeah, somebody has to. Worry about things that don't need worrying about, and you're the man for the job. (laughs) So, the Cybermen. Let's get to the meat of it. Yeah. Uh, Also, one thing they did this in Dalek. No, they did. It wasn't Dalek. So I'm going off the tangent, but they hold over you this mystery of like, who are the villains going to be? And the episode's called Rise of the Cybermen. It's like, well, what's the point? I don't know if there really is any sort of real mystery on on this occasion. I think it's sort of meant to know that's where it's where it's going. To be honest, the I doctor does the doctor doesn't know, but I think other viewers are are meant to know on on this occasion. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's companies called as we said, Cybers and Enterprises. Um, I, you know, I think it's I think it's quite obvious. Uh, where things are going. I think I'm just having flashbacks to the season one finale where they mm. like try to hide who the villains are, but in the like in they the give it away in the teasers and everything, yeah. yeah. I think they did give away the design in the teaser for Rise of the Cybermen as well. But either way. Uh, yeah. so, sorry, going off on a tangent. Uh, the Cybermen. What did you think of the Cybermen? Yeah, I like them. Um Cybermen, unlike the Daleks, are are um, an enemy that is constantly evolving and change and changing their look. And where it hasn't seemed to have worked for the Daleks when they've changed them too much, it, it it's never seen, it's never hurt the Cybermen. And uh, I, I did like this new design. They have tinkered with it over the years. I think one of the main reasons was it's quite hard for the the people wearing them to to move around in in the costumes. So they sort of I think they have streamlined them over the years to to help that. I really like them. Uh, I think <laughs> when I was a kid, the Cybermen absolutely terrified me. These were the yeah. these were the villains that I would like. They really scared me. It's the upgrading thing, and to be honest, the upgrading thing. I think it's like a holdover from my childhood. Still freaks me out. 
the idea of like you can have all of your memories and still technically be you but not have the same sort of feelings and reactions as you would there's just something like sort of sort of existential crisis that gives me and it just freaks me out so it's almost worse than dying to be honest if you're still if you're still conscious in a sense uh and you you can't really stop yourself from doing certain things yeah i mean a lot of the um the the doctor sells it like that as well you're still you but you're not you it's a very strange sort of paradox isn't it I'm sure there's a line somewhere where the, I think Rose says like other, other, like other dead or something like that. The doctor says, "Oh, worse than that" or something like that. Yeah, worse than that. They're still alive, or yeah, something to that, something to that effect. And they um, show like they uh, they go in like as much detail as they can for a kid show, uh, well, for a family show. Uh, yeah. In, on like the upgrading process and that, and it's pretty well done. The CG doesn't really. You know, look as great as it could have done, but for it's, a kind of stop, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not. It's and not I think uh, uh, again, it, it, for its time, it held up really well. It's just there's a lot of shows that use uh, CGI as as the years go by and advancements are made. You can sort of see, you know, it doesn't age well a lot of the time. I think the sound effects uh, were really good as well, like in the upgrading chamber. Like when you hear like the the saws and then you hear like the chopping yeah. up things like that, like it makes you sort of gruesome. And, have and you the seen... Cybermen, no. of course, are always um they're always the number two villain, really, aren't they? Yeah. Just behind the Daleks, I think they pulled a lot of slack as well when they couldn't use the Daleks as much as they'd like to when they were having trouble with not trouble, but like I think there was a time in Doctor Who history where they couldn't really use the Daleks as much as they wanted to because of uh, copyright issues with Terry Nation, the creator yeah. of the Daleks, and so I think the Cybermen sort of pulled a lot of weight during that time. And also, um, there there were times where um, they thought the Daleks had been overused as well, so they needed a they needed another villain for that, you know, f- for a new threat, basically. Yeah, that's why they were used a lot in the Second Doctor's um, era. Yeah, well, they were. The- the the first Doctor encounters them first is it's, it's the regen it's the first regeneration story the tenth planet isn't it? Mm. which the BBC lost an episode of just a piece of television history there that you've thrown away but whatever and yeah, I like there's them one, this, I think, oops, sorry, there's no. one I've got there's a there's a copy I've got um, I forget the actual name of the episode but it's the second Doctor episode uh, featuring the Cybermen and it, there's, I think, there's one or two episodes missing, and uh, they they filled it in with a cartoon and um, used uh, the actual voices because people would record it on cassette, bizarrely. So they were able to match up the um, uh, the dialogue with the cartoon. Oh, right. yeah, I think I've seen, actually, they did that with the 10th Planet as well, I think. Uh, the missing episode, they mm. like they did that same thing. They did a cartoon animation for it and dubbed over it. So that's neat, at least. At least they try to do something yeah. about it. It, it. it works surprisingly well, actually. And uh, the, the cartoon of it's probably hold up better than the actual live action. Yeah, well, you get that sometimes, don't you? And they can, they can do, like, certain stylistic things as well, mm. that they couldn't really do with a 
a live action one. But I was going to ask, what have you seen older versions of Cyberman, and what what you think of the the, the different sort of designs throughout the years? Okay, well, the Tenth Planet, I've seen that, uh, the original one. Uh, I, <laughs> there's a, I don't know that the original design. I do like it, but I think I honestly prefer the redesign that they use in the in like the 2005 era show. I think they get more of the like emotionless aspect of it. Like they they do just look like cold, cold steel, but a term with no remorse yeah. or pity. I think the only thing I preferred about the classic one was the voice. That sort of long, stretched out voice. Yeah, really it's like quite the... weird, doesn't it? Yeah. They kind of had a sort of normal sort of uh, a voice in the era I remember. And they were more like, uh, they had like the Cyberman sort of square heads. But they also, um, they, it was more like, um, like these, the sort of uh, the flight suits. Um, RAF sort of pilots would wear, but spray painted uh, silver. Yeah, uh, I think I also like saw the, them in the. That was quite cool. I saw them in the because in the Five Doctors special, I've watched that a lot, and they're um, they're in that one fairly prominently. I think that's yeah. another thing as well of where like the the problem with the Daleks is almost that they're too powerful sometimes. I think, and I don't know like if you. Say, for example, if be, there is a Dalek in the Five Doctors, but if the Daleks had been the main villain in the Five Doctors, there's sort of an element of that they would have just overpowered everything because of how powerful they are. But you can yeah. tell a more sort of balanced story with the Cybermen because they're not too powerful, if that makes sense. I don't know. I think I'm just rambling again, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you do make a, a sort of decent point there, to be fair. Yeah. Um... But yeah, they have they have evolved and, and changed a lot. They they kept the little like teardrop by the eye, which which I like, and is a nice little a nice little touch. Yeah, the handlebars are also um like the handlebars on the head. They were a sort of part of at least one of the designs, I believe, when they have the old Cybermen suits. Yeah. In this, uh, yeah, I think we should probably get into the actual plot of this episode. Well, not the plot, but more some more the details of it. What but, were yeah. any particular highlights for you? For me, I, I like the uh, the invasion uh, into the party of the Cybermen. Seeing all those sort of Cybermen marching towards the, the heroes on ominously. That was uh, that's quite a cool thing to see. I like the high, yeah. the idea that um, Roger Lloyd Pack's sort of character. He's he's a sort of genius, sort of slipping into insanity, basically, isn't he? He's created these things to prolong his prolong his his life. You can sort of it's like he, your brain in a, a metal body, basically. Um, but obviously, the the. President of England's not going to go for it. He says nobody would ever go for it. It's a hideous idea. So with that rejection, he decides to go go ahead anyway and take over with his with his Cyberman, completely yeah. basically losing the plot in the process. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good um, <clears throat> it's a good way to establish them as villains as well by having them just massacre an entire house full of people. But it's something you get a lot in these. 
in in these sort of films and programs, like the entitled rich genius who thinks he, he's got some sort of right, or he or she have got some sort of right to live forever, and they're quite often looking for this um, um, Lazarus pit type of thing yeah. to, to you know keep themselves going, and they seem to think they've got a, a right. To, to live longer than anyone else because either because of their money and genius or a combination of the of the both. Yeah, I think with um, oh my god, I'm blank on his name. What's he called again? Lumic. That's it, John Lumic. That's it. Yeah. Um, I think with him, it's more implied that he he thinks it's his intelligence that gives him the right to yeah. live forever. Yeah, He's like, oh, but I'm a genius. I shouldn't die. And so, well, not really how it works. And the doctor sort of gets into that with him when he has one of those big. Doctor versus villain mm. monologues, which is great. I don't know, who doesn't love them? But yeah, I like him. I quite like him as a villain as well. This, I, when I was reading up on the episode, there was some criticism of his performance in this. Like he was a bit over the top, and like it is. But most I Doctor think Who villains, yeah, are over the top. I think he's he's meant to, he's meant to be. He's, you know, he's having fun with the role. It's uh, yeah, yeah. People just like to nitpick at stuff, though, don't they? Well, I would never do anything like that. No, no. Certainly <laughs> not. There's also a good bit where um, Ricky sort of gets, not not captured, but he gets hustled into the van, doesn't he, by um, the sort of rebellion fighters who uh, mistake him for their leader, um, Ricky. Yes. And then he meets up with his doppelganger, which is, uh, which is quite fun. And uh, it sort of shows, um, oh, what's his real name? I had it on the tip of my tongue and I've forgotten. Noel Clark? Noel Clark's sort of acting chops as he's able to play both characters quite differently. Yeah, um, it's, a good, it's good for Mickey's character arc as well because he, he, he literally comes across this idyllic version of himself. Mm. Like he sees like sort of who he could be, like he's confident and he's the leader and he's like sort of running everything and he's London's most wanted. Even though I find out that's not quite true. In the yeah, yeah, that's, second quite, episode. that's quite hilarious, really, isn't it? Yeah, he turns out to be London's most wanted for parking tickets. <laughs> so, <all right. laughs> not quite as hard ass as he uh, first uh, seemed. And uh, but he was fighting the system. Yeah, exactly, which we must do. Um, he also, uh, I also like the character of uh, Mrs. Moore as well, or as the, uh, the other guy from EastEnders. I think it's EastEnders he's from. Either EastEnders or Kari. This is Moore. Yes. Mrs. Moore. Uh, yeah, she was a good character. For how long she was in it and how it screamed. Yeah. She was pretty I, mean, I don't know if they might have killed her off a bit too soon, but she was quite an interesting character, you know. One minute she's just a normal housewife in a um, late uh, mid uh, late to early fifties, I would I would hazard a guess, and next she's some sort of freedom fighter. Yeah, but it gets into a story in that she was she was sort of forced into it. Yeah, because she she used to work for Cybers Industries, and then she ends up seeing something she shouldn't, and then she has to go on the run. So yeah, it, it's a yeah, pretty good character and pretty memorable mm. story again. For considering she probably only gets about 15 to 20 minutes screen time max during the episode, so she's very resourceful. She she impresses the doctor with a EMP bomb, doesn't she? Which she take uses to take down a Cyberman. Yes, 
which I think is also it's probably part of the reason why they kill her off as well is to sort of give the doctor that final motivation to kill them yeah and uh, there's a oh god it's gone sorry <laughs> I was going to say something else about Mrs. Moore but I've lost <laughs> this it ha- this happens to me quite a lot don't, don't worry I sometimes ramble and, and whatnot to try and cover for it which probably doesn't work but there you go uh, but but anyway, um, they, uh, they they crash the party, the Cybermen, and uh, we get we get our cliffhanger where, which makes me laugh when the Doctor says, "We're good stock. We we're yeah. ready for conversion. We surrender." <laughs> oh, it's worth mentioning that they give the they give the Cybermen a catchphrase, which they never really had in the classic series. Yes, that's true. Yeah, delete. Which. I was never not too sure on. I mean, it's it's a bit similar to exterminate, really. They, they, they kind of both mean the same sort of sort of thing in the way that the enemies are saying it, anyway. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think there's only so much you can do. I mean, the catchphrase is always going to be about killing, isn't it? As, as Doctor yeah. Who villains, I think it works in that like really monotone voice that they've got as well. I because the Daleks have. A, of a very angry voice, and so the exterminate works for them mm. because you can hit the syllables and get really angry with it. Whereas just the sort of delete works better in that voice. They might have even been better as a silent villain, you know. Uh, maybe. I mean, the, okay. I guess I was, oh, one thing that's worth mentioning as well. I love the audio that the Cybermen make when they walk. Things like that, like that mechanical noise. Yeah. That I think that's brilliant. It is. It's really good. It was a great yeah. imagining of the uh, of a, a classic enemy. Yeah, and you were right. I wanted, There's a good point to make about the segment design. Actually, going back to that a little bit, because there's always like there was an outcry when um, Stephen Moffat did a big redesign of the Daleks, which we will get into. Because uh, I want to cover that episode just for yeah. just for that alone. So we we won't go. I don't want to delve into that too much and, and until we get there. But yes. No, no, but it's it's just to make the point that um, but the Cybermen's design's always been very sort of fluid, and it's been like able to change and adapt. Yeah, things like that, and no one's really you know, there's never an outcome. How dare you redesign the Cybermen? Well, <laughs> they've always, reason. as you say, they've always changed. I think even from their second appearance, they were they were slightly different. Where uh, the Daleks might have been made to look a might have changed colour and maybe made to look a bit more substantial in the newer episodes, but it, it was definitely a, a less is more kind of change. And then they came and totally redid them and it, it just didn't work, basically. I think there's probably something fundamental to the characters there as well, because in a way, the, like the Daleks see themselves as perfection. Yeah. There's probably an element of, well, why would the Daleks change themselves when they think that they're already perfect? Whereas the Cybermen are all about upgrades. So yeah, so, well, constantly if, if the Cybermen come themselves. across better, better technology, they'd be willing to change it and update it. Probably something in there. But the cliffhanger uh, gets resolved in a... I think this effect's pretty cool, actually. I'll say I quite like this one. When he, uh, the Doctor has the power cell from the TARDIS that he... Yeah. Because it's also worth mentioning in this episode that they're stranded on the parallel for 24 hours while the TARDIS fixes itself. This is true, yeah. I forgot to mention, but no, it's, yeah, it's fine. I, I, I didn't think there was going to be too much to mention in this one, and then we got into it. And I was like, "There's actually quite a lot going on." Um, and he shoots this like power cell thing at them, 
so that they can escape. And then uh, Mrs. Moore comes through with the van in this quite bit where she's trying to help them get away. And then Pete tries to go back in the house so the doctor tries to convince him not to. And then Rose is stood there wondering if he should go back in the house to help Jackie. And then you just hear Mrs. Moore shouting from the van, this is the slowest getaway of my life. <laughs> yeah. But they managed to escape the mansion massacre, I guess you call it. Yeah, house, mansion. Two, it's one or the other, isn't it? Yeah. And we also find out that um, Pete Tyler is actually Gemini. Um, they're in their informant on the inside, which they which they didn't realise. So he's only been working for Lumic to uh, sort of pass on information and try and bring him down. I was a bit unsure about this little plot point because I think they do it to just sort of keep Pete's hands clean. But it could have been a little bit more of an interesting character if he'd have like uh gone along with it because i mean maybe he didn't realize like how deep it would go or how far it would go or something like that and then you know he could get a bit of redemption by helping take him down yeah yeah i I don't know they they had long enough to to go to go into all that but yeah uh i don't totally disagree with you there it could have been something because he's Rose's dad, does he say, to keep his hands clean? So they, they do have a good line there where he's like, <laughs> he's like, I thought I was broadcasting to the emergency services. What do I get Scooby doing the game? Yeah, you've even got the VAB. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like you say, when it gets into episode two for a big chunk of it, they're just sort of on the run. Uh, the only real noteworthy thing that happens in London is uh, Ricky's death. Yeah, Ricky gets killed by a Cyberman, and it's sort of Mickey's forced to step up to the mantle, isn't he? Yes. Uh, when he sees that idyllic version of himself go, it sort of gives him gives him the incentive to push up. And I also like that it sort of implies all Mickey ever nearly ever really needed was a bit of encouragement, because when like like when there's a bit where him and Mickey and Ricky, easy to keep track if you're listening, sorry. I told him, he says to him, why are you not that bad? And he goes, oh, do you think? He's like, yeah, and like, like, I like to think that's all, that's all he needed and gives him a bit of motivation. To yeah. Go, oh, yeah, I'm not that bad. Just a bit of, just a bit of encouragement, really. Because yeah. I, was, I was thinking this in the episode as well, like the, it's, the Doctor can be quite cold to people who he doesn't necessarily think are um, good enough. Yeah, and Maybe, it's sort of shown just... at the start of the episode, sorry to put in, when he's, he's talking and laughing with Rose and then you see Mickey was handling this button and he, he's like asked if he can let go and he goes oh yeah yeah and he's like how long could I have let go and I was like oh about 20 29 minutes ago but I've been doing <laughs> this for 30 you forgot about me <laughs> and you don't know if he has forgotten about him or he's just done it for a rib do you with, uh, with that doctor yeah it's true enough. And I think that, yeah, but he, he nearly does the same thing in the second episode where he, when he doesn't nearly do it, he does, he forgets about Mickey when he's sort of delegating jobs to everyone. This time mm. Mickey like, stands up for himself and calls him out on it. And he's like, no, I'm going to do something. And he kind of earns the Doctor's respect when he does that. Because the Doctor says to him, well, if we survive this, I'll see you back at the TARDIS. 
And Mickey says yes, but then he looks back towards them and he can kind yeah. of say that he's the third wheel. And you think in that that's the moment when he decides, like, nah, I'm not like I'm not going back. Yeah, if he finds something for himself here, he he, he might he might just die and he gets his reason with uh his doppelganger dying and his his grand still being alive and what have you. So it all sort of it all sort of makes sense really. Yeah. The scene with his grand's good as well. That's probably worth mentioning just quickly. When he goes back and sees her, and he sees the like broken carpet that in his world she tripped on and yeah. ended up dying, and as he sees a bit of guilt there, when he he says to her, "You should have got that fixed," and then she just calls him out on it and says, "But well, you could have got it fixed for me." And it's like, ooh, ooh. Mm. Oh, yeah, so back to episode two. After they they all end up inside the cyber factory through one way or another, and there's a. Quick a bit when Rose, like Rose and Pete, they, they go through the front door in some sort of like that must have been horrible. <laughs> that would be terrifying. They'll just walk through to this upgrading chamber. Yeah. Oh, there's thousands of Cybermen there that have wanted to kill me. Mickey and Jake take out the Zeppelin transmitter to give everyone their minds back. And the Doctor and Mrs. Moore, what do you think? You say Mrs. Moore ends up dying. And the Doctor ends up inside the oh what's he called John the guy can't do it John Lumick the cyber controller yeah he ends up inside his room and the doctor because he has one of those good doctor monologues where him and the villain have like a confrontation and then the doctor the doctor kills the Cyberman in quite a horrific way really when you think about it where he so he makes them he makes them realize yeah it's uh it's not the best. It's also worth mentioning that um, Lumic, uh, his creations sort of turn on him, don't they? And uh, they make him the cyber controller, even though he yes. thinks he's not ready yet. They uh, they decide to upgrade him. Another parallel in a way to Genesis and the Daleks. Yes. It ends Good. the only way it could end, really, with um, Lumic sort of, uh, he doesn't want to. In the end, for whatever reason, but then they basically, well, they, they kill him and they don't kill him, they upgrade him, but for want of a better yeah. term, they kill him. And that's how it ends for Davros, spoilers for Genesis of the Darks as well, which is another reason why it's such a good story because it, end, it ended the only way it could end. Yeah, it's quite it's quite the, the trope in these sort of sci fi things that the, uh, the creations eventually turn on their creators. Well, Frankenstein's monsters, isn't it? Hmm. But I enjoy it as well. I, I like um, Mickey also. But it's worth mentioning, credit to Mickey as well. He's the one who comes up with the way to deactivate the Cybermen. He gives the Doctor this. Well, it's, it is and it isn't. Like, the Doctor sort of gives him encouragement because he figures yeah. out the Doctor has a feeling that he's watching on the security cameras. Yeah, so, he, so he's like, in his monologue to the villain, he's sort of giving instructions to, uh, to Mickey, <laughs> isn't he? Little clues. Fresh hashtag and then send anything could happen. Yeah, <laughs> yes, delete. You will be deleted. It's like, yes, delete. Hash all those lovely teas. My particular favourite scent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the end. Of, I mean, it's, it's not the end of the episode, but it's the end of sort of everything you can talk about, really, isn't it? Where they escape. Yeah, the they made an escape. Uh, Loomis's Cyberman or Cyber Controller. Does break free and tries to follow them up the ladder, but um, they use a sonic screwdriver to break the, the rope ladder to the 
to the airship and uh, he falls into, back into his factory and and blows up. Yeah. And uh, as far as we're concerned for now, that's the end of the Cybermen. And as we say, Ricky decides to... Not Ricky, I'm getting... Because it's in his doppelganger confused. Mickey decides to stay in Ricky's place and uh, help take down uh, the rest of the Lumic uh, factories, basically. Yes, and uh, get an emotional goodbye mm. where um, it sort of hits Rose how uh, how much she's probably taken Mickey for granted the past. I say yeah, yeah, or so like to her. Uh, and that's yeah, because she's like emotional, and she says, "She says like, all I got, like, but I, but I need you." And then Mickey's like, "Yeah, but you don't." And then Rose doesn't even deny it. She's like, "Well, yeah, I guess." She doesn't say that, but like, you might yeah, as well. Yeah, she may, like you say, yeah, she she may as well have. And I like that they they part on good terms though as well, which I like because they've been a bit rocky, as you know, through the season because of what, because Rose is sort of ends up with the Doctor and Mickey can see where that's going. Mm. And it's worth mentioning as well that you find out during this episode sort of indirectly that they've been together a long time because Rose knew, I mean, a long time relative to their lives. Yeah, yeah. 20 years, so they've been together for at least five years. It's a quarter of their lives, if you put it that way. Um, And then, yeah, I think it does all, all of a sudden just hit Rose, like how much actually, like, like she was fond of Mickey, and even if not, even if not as as like a boyfriend or something, like yeah. that, she still really valued him as a friend. But Mickey decides to stay, and the Doctor calls him uh, Mickey the Idiot, which is a callback to uh, the Ninth Doctor, who used to always call him Mickey the Idiot. <laughs> and yeah, all's well that ends well, I guess, man. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, they 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 have our back. Um, it's more of an endearing now this time when he calls him uh, Mickey the Idiot yes. rather than a, a, an insult, like uh, like banter between friends. It's also worth mentioning that's probably that's where the Ricky, yeah, that's where that name comes from as well for his doppelganger because when that's definitely shows call him Ricky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is though. It, it's when you think about like. When you see Mickey in the first episode, when he gets like kidnapped by a wheelie bin, and then in the second ep- and like in his last episode, he's taken down the Cybermen. I guess it's a pretty good character arc for him. Yeah, it's uh, definitely some growth there. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's all I really got to. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not the last time we'll see uh, see Mickey, obviously, or uh, Pete Tyler. They do make. Uh, more appearances. Yes, we will get into when we yeah when we cover those episodes because uh, it's probably my favourite episode from the season from this season is the season finale. To be honest, yeah, it's a fans it's a it's a fans dream really, isn't it? <laughs> Being yeah. honest. Um, but yeah, so, um, I think it was a good episode. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's a, it was a good episode that brought back a, a traditional villain uh, in, in a good way. Um, like with the Daleks, it wasn't it wasn't the the last time we would see the Cyberman. Well, he can never get rid of his enemies. No. he can never he can never get rid of them. And then in season three, which we'll get to, no spoilers, they bring back another. Um, 
uh, classic enemy as well, don't they? So uh, I look forward oh, yeah. to getting into that as well. Oh, yeah. uh, I believe the next episode that we're going to do are the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. That's it, yeah. Which, as a kid, these were my two favourite episodes. Yeah, so. I, I really enjoyed them. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we'll do next time. Hopefully next week, but uh, can never say for sure, absolute certainty these days. The, probably, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> probably. Um, it's also worth, just for knows if anybody's keeping track, uh, I watched and quite enjoyed uh, The Girl in the Fireplace. Oh, yeah. But, I think it's quite a fun episode. Um, not really one of it. my not really one of my favourites, but it's uh, it's not you know it's a decent episode, but not one I felt was worth worth covering really. Yeah, but. that's fair. Um, I would recommend people watch it. It's hard to not recommend to watch all of them really when they're all on iPlayer. For yeah, uh, you know it's hard to it's a, not really a difficult sell. But I think the ones in between. Uh, the Impossible Planet in the same pit. I think it might. Yeah, it's just the Idiot's London, actually, which is the yeah. television. So I'll, if I get a chance, I'll watch that one as well and just give some, just tell you whether or not it's worth watching or not. Um, yeah. So, uh, so plugs. You can follow us at Rogue underscore Opinion at Twitter and Instagram. A recent, um, recent pods the last couple of days. I think. Uh, I've gone up our new Naked Men pod. Uh, Ben's back to health, so he he and Nathan have recorded another one of those. Uh, Nathan and Scott did a pod recently, a little wrestling news overview, and they had a bit of fun creating the, some Survivor Series um, five on five teams as well. So. Uh, listen to that there's more Doctor Who's if you haven't listened to them all go back and check out our Doctor Who pods and there's also yeah, Cake Fape Court which I recorded recently where you can uh, listen to us um, work out what happened to Hayde Vanson and all sorts of things to go back and listen to sounds good to me also they're not affiliated with us in any way, of course, but listen to the band of Monsters and Men and Black Honey because I went to see them both last night and they were great. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. We'll give those them a bit of a plug. Why yeah. the hell not? Our, our massive audience can go and inflate their numbers. <laughs> there, there is a bit of a connection there because um, their song Thousand Eyes uh, featured in a Jessica Jones episode, I think. Um, David Tennant played the lead role oh, yeah. in Jessica Jones. So there you go. There you go. Uh, I've made a little link there for. It's, for yeah. it's like that Kevin. It's like the Kevin Bacon connection thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I got to say. Unless you got anything else to add, I can actually uh, get to Kevin Bacon. From from that, Jessica Jones was also in the Defenders. Uh, which had Iron Fist, which featured Jessica Sturrup, who uh, played a character in a in a drama called The Following, which had Kevin Bacon as the um, the lead. So there you go, boom boom. Do you know Carl's newest pod where he just does that? He just connects <laughs> Kevin Bacon to everything, and you can be bored to tears for twenty yeah. minutes or so. <laughs> Well, I'd be used uh, to being bored to tears if I listen to our crap, wouldn't I? So. <laughs> <laughs>
Which I could disagree with, yeah. <laughs> All right. On that thanks, note. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.